So many owners open their shops with the dream of doing auto repair the right way, being an asset to their community, having free time with their families, and having the ability to create a financial legacy. In reality, so many find themselves working long days, are struggling to find and keep good staff, and can barely pay the bills. Since 2016, the fastest growing automotive repair coaching company, ShopFix Academy's sole purpose is to stop the average small business from destroying the average family. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com. My wife came to me once and needed the money for the mortgage and she looked behind the counter and I think I had 13 cases of Pepsi back there and a couple bags of Oreos. Um, she says, that's not going <laughs> to pay the bill. This is Success Leaves Clues, an automotive industry podcast, and I'm your host, Thomas Hayes. Are you a technician with a dream to open your own shop? or an owner who is just not seeing the success that you dreamed of, then this episode was made especially for you. Today's guest, John Lonis of AutoWorks Service and Repair in Prescott, Arizona, has one of the most genuine love for cars of anyone I've met. Sure, he has his favorites, but John just genuinely loves the freedom that that creates. He transformed this love into a successful career as a technician and then eventually ventured into ownership. But he struggled greatly in the beginning, even losing his first shop. And then on the second shop, many years in, he still found himself chained to the business and just barely able to get by and rarely able to cash his own paychecks. At this point, his accountant called his shop the Titanic. This was painful to hear, so John decided it was time for serious change. So he started making some critical decisions that dramatically changed his life. In this episode, John will explain what worked for him, who helped him do it, and what life is like on the other side. This episode is truly inspiring, so stick around. An effective online presence is a critical part of your shop's growth and profitability which is why it only makes sense to use the company that many top-performing repair shops use for managing their online presence, Leads Near Me. Leads Near Me effortlessly increases your car count with a strategic combination of killer websites, high-converting Google ads, traffic-driving social media posts, and more. Reach them by text or call at 888-953-953. 2379 or visit them online at leadsnearme.com. Leads Near Me effortlessly increase car count. John, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, very happy to have you. This is going to be a great episode. Uh, John, I've known you for a bit and I'm really excited for you to unpack your story. Uh, we're going to talk about some really uh, impactful things that I think the listeners are going to be able to take away and uh, really be able to improve their mindset and grow in their shop. So um, I'm excited. Let's dive in. All right. Let's do it. Good. So, uh, John, for those that don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm John Lonis from Prescott Valley, Arizona, enjoying the non-daylight savings time um, and our great weather that we have out here. 
I currently have a 12 bay shop. We just added six bays within the last six weeks. Um, we're still trying to get our final uh, occupancy for, permit for it, but we're over there working out of it. Um, but it's been a nice ride over 17 years, gone from three bays to 12. And it's just been fun being in automotive field and helping as many people as we have helped. It's a great ride. It's a great industry. It is. It is. There's a lot of people out there that need help. And it's nice just to share and help them and ease them out of their pain you know, that they have with their car so troubles. Good. We love fixing that stuff. Yeah. I, um, uh, I think that mindset is so critical if you're going to be successful in this industry that we're really here to help. We're a service. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Uh, so John, what kind of numbers are you doing? I mean, 12 bays, you know, previously, uh, was that 10, uh, nine bays? That's a big shop. Well, previously we had the six bays and we did 1.8 million last year. And I set out my goal in the beginning of the year. I always set the future goals as to what we're going to do um, for the following year. And so this year I was hoping to have these six additional bays online and operational on August 1st. So I had set my goal for this year to be $3 million. Um, we're not, we didn't get open exactly on time with the extra additional bays, um, but I'm still pushing my crew. We're still going to do our 3 million. We did 285 last month. I want to break three this month. And nice. I want to see four before the end of the year. So we'll be back on track to break that $3 million for this year. That's fantastic, John. That's exciting. Yeah, it is. It is. Very exciting. Well, what I'd love to unpack is, is hearing your story and then hearing, you know, how you got here. I mean, because I, I remember when we spoke before, you know, you've at one point had just a one-bay shop and, and, and you started out at this current shop, you know, very small and you've grown into something big. So... I think there's a lot that we can we can talk through on that. Um, but how did you get into the industry in the first place? I just love auto repair. I, I love automobiles and fixing them. Um, back in high school, my dad had a transmission shop, so I was his R and R guy, and he didn't have a lift, so I was on the metal wheeled Craftsman Creeper, and he'd slide me underneath the car. I'd pull the transmission out. Once it landed on my chest, he'd grab me by the feet and pull it out. So. For some weird reason, I liked working on cars, and that was my first taste of it. And so uh, in hot school or in, uh, in high school, there was an auto shop class. I went to a private school. We didn't have any, you know, off or off, uh, I don't know what you call that, what the, those classes that they have off site to learn welding and woodworking and stuff like that. We didn't have like those types of trade classes. Yeah, we didn't have a trade, trade classes in our private Catholic school. So we had to go to another school and they had an auto shop and my friend and I went there and we mastered that place. And we were the master well, that's a, uh, mechanic maniac, or mechanic, maniac mechanic. And we led that team of, you know, public school kids. We just blew them away with our automotive repair and stuff. So I just loved and had the taste of automotive and uh, worked at a gas station all through high school and learned from the old man technician that was back in there rebuilding carburetors and, all that neat, fancy stuff. And it just intrigued me because going to a private school, I was at the lower end of things and all the teachers and stuff that uh, you just need to go join the army and, you know, go do something like that with your life. Cause you're not going to be a, an astronaut or anything special. So that's what I did is I was a great laboring person and I liked cars and found my, found my hobby in cars and just stuck with it and learned what I could. So, it's been fun, and now I fix my uh, past teacher's cars and uh, 
keep them on the road. And they're actually shocked to see that I'm a successful person 30 years later. It's like, wow, you actually made something of yourself. It's like, yes, I did. <laughs> yes, you did. So I proved them wrong. Yes. Yeah, you did, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What was it about fixing cars that intrigued you so much? Cars to me were freedom. Um, you know, that was my big thing is I always pedaled a bicycle around town. That's how I got around. I was into BMX bikes and 10 speed bicycles. But as soon as I turned 16, I was able to get my license. That, that bike got kicked to the curb, never to be ridden again. And cars are just freedom. You can go anywhere, you can do anything. Um, but being not well off, um, I had to drive old clunker cars. And if I wanted to be free and get places, I had to make sure I made it run somehow, some way. Um, I remember, you know, throttle cable breaking on my El Camino. And of course, back in high school, you got boom boxes and big stereos. So I'm out in the middle of nowhere. So I just grabbed a piece of my wire, tied it to around the, the carburetor, drove home through the window with my fist, pulling the carburetor open in order to get around. So um, that's, I just had the passion for cars. That was my freedom just to get away and do things, get away from the broken house that I had with, you know, the divorced parents. And so I was, I played both my parents against each other. And um, I, that's cars. That was just freedom. And today it's still freedom. And I don't know for some of the people, the, the conferences that I go to, I drive 1600 miles each way. I just like to drive. It's my freedom. It's, it's open windows and space and cars are, are awesome. Forget the planes. I don't want to be stuck in a plane. I'd much rather drive. So I don't mind driving 24 hours from Arizona to Tennessee yeah, five times a year. <laughs> I love that perspective. It's, it's freedom in so many ways. It is. And you're in control of your destination when you're behind the wheel, when you're doing the driving, you can go any way that you want to go at any speed that you want to go at any time. And to me, cars are just freedom. So I had to learn how to fix them and get around. That's my, that's my way of having true freedom. I love it. So high school, you, you gain these skills what, what happened when you got out of high school? What, what, what was the path like from there? I did a little bit in construction. I thought that was going to be something fun to do. But again, doing construction, there was uh, several construction trucks that would break down. Plumber's trucks would break down. And since I knew what I was doing, I'd go over and get them on the road so they could get back to work or back to their home base. And I had a couple of friends that said, you know, you're kind of good with cars in your hands. Why don't you come to work for me? So I went to work for a 24-hour towing auto repair company in my younger years. And I liked it. And being single, I didn't mind working till midnight or getting that phone call at two o'clock in the morning that we got to go out on a road service call. Um, but as I grew up and got married, it was like, I need something a little bit more stable, a little thing, something that I could raise a family with, you know, being out on the road or at odd hours wasn't going to be a great lifestyle. Um, so from there, it was kind of strange. I, I, my wife was a uh, waitress at a, at a Red Robin restaurant. And I was crazy about, well, she was, yeah, she was my wife. And I was goofy myself, so I became the Red Robin bird. And I was the bird mascot in the mall where the Red Robin restaurant was. So I'd run around the restaurant and drag kids back to the restaurant and stuff. So nice. That was fun for a while, and then I ended up, uh, my wife told me that Phoenix was beautiful. She's originally from Arizona. We were in California at the time, and she said Phoenix was beautiful, and she wanted to move there, wanted to go back there. So we moved to Phoenix, 
August of 1991. And on TV screens, they have the temperature in the lower right of the TV screen. So you know how hot it is outside because you don't want to go outside in Phoenix. And at nine o'clock at night, it was 104 degrees. And mm-hmm. I thought, this is stupid. This isn't beautiful. This is hell. <laughs> Who lives here? Yeah, exactly. But when we moved to Phoenix, it was funny. This was about seven years after I had worked at that tow company. And the one guy I worked for in California at the tow company, he had moved to Phoenix, just outside of Phoenix. And I touched base with him and he got me a job with one of the chain stores down there, getting back in the automotive field. Um, So that's how I got back in the automotive field back here in Arizona and worked down in Phoenix for about 10 years. And it was just too hot. I couldn't do it. It was and I had my own portable swamp cooler that I mounted on top of a 55-gallon water drum or oil drum yeah. that I had full of water. And I had the swamp cooler pump dropped into the 55-gallon tank. And this attached to my belt, and it drug from me to each car that I worked on to try to keep me cool down because it was just way hot. We worked in a tin building, and so it was really hot in there. And I would fill that 55-gallon drum up three times a day wow. to for my own personal swamp coat to try to stay cool. So that was my Phoenix stint. And um, we moved north about 90 miles up to Prescott, uh, Prescott Valley area. And my wife got a job with the town as a community relations coordinator. And uh, I hated driving. We had moved up here, but I was still commuting back and forth uh, an hour and a half each way to Phoenix on a daily basis. Again, I don't mind driving, but just driving. I'd leave my house with the heater on, and before I got halfway there, I'd turn the air conditioner on because Phoenix just never cools down. And I'm not quite sure how John Pearson does it. Maybe that's why he's never at a shop either. He stays up in Alaska. Um, But after about a year of that, uh, my wife was able to work me into the local town government as being their automotive maintenance uh, technician. And I thought, cool, now I get a a government job, easy pay, all the wonderful benefits and everything and all that good stuff. So I thought, okay, I'll take it. Huge cut in pay, uh, going from $37 a flat rate to I think it was like $14 an hour to work for the town. But it saved four hours of commuting time. I actually knew what color my house was because I would leave before the same come up and got home after the sun went down. And I did that for about two years for the town being their maintenance person. But the town did not do any in town did not do any in-house maintenance they subbed all of their repairs out and they have a fleet of about 200 cars police cars uh county workers city workers the street workers all that so there's about 200 cars so i'd get in the car and i'd drive it over to an automotive repair shop and have them do the maintenance on the shop and i'd just sit there with my little pager if we needed wiper blades or anything like that i had to borrow their phone to call the town to see if i can get approval for wiper blades Finally, after about three months, the town trusted me and knew what I was doing and gave me authorization. Yeah, just get them fixed, whatever they need, you know, be reasonable with it, but spend our money wisely. So I did that for about two years. And one of the shops that I took the majority of the cars to, those owners, it was a small business. So it was three bays and it was just the mom and pop with one technician outside. And the pop would go out and do a few things. The wife was, his wife was the one that did all the customer uh, service stuff up front and ordered all the parts. They were all handwritten invoices, no computers. They still had a fax machine that took a little fax roll, you know, in order to get your fax machine. They'd re-roll that paper because they were very budget conscious. And after a couple of years, they said, you know, why don't you buy this place? You look like you really like cars and you miss working on them. 
And uh, I talked to my wife and my wife was all for it. She said, okay, let's give it a whirl. So I was really shocked that my wife would back me up considering that I had tried doing a shop 10 years prior, about 10 years prior and lost it and ended up going bankrupt. And that was a big hit to the family and into my pride. And I was surprised that my wife actually said, yeah, let's do it and, and have a shop. So with her backing and blessing, I quit the town and we bought the shop. They were nice enough since I was broke and had no money. They were nice enough to carry the note for 15 years for me. And we paid it off a little bit early. Uh, we paid it off in 13 years. I didn't, wasn't making much money that first 13 years. And my uh, tax accountant told me that you, your shop is actually the Titanic. In the meantime, my wife had quit her government job because we thought the business was going to support us. And after a few years, our accountant said, no, it's the Titanic. Um, Brianna, you need to go get a job if you want to pay your house bills and not go broke again. So that hurt me. And I wanted to do more. At the time when I bought that shop, we were doing, I believe, about $200,000 a year, $18,000, $20,000 a month uh, with just myself and one other technician. Several times my wife would get upset at me because I became friends with my customers or my friends were my customers. And instead of charging appropriately, I would tell them, bring me back a 12-pack of Pepsi. Bring me back, you know, a case of Pepsi. I'm a serious Pepsi drinker, a Pepsiholic. I, I fizz whenever I cut myself. It's a barter, barter system you had. Yeah. And I was very terrible at being a business owner. I had never owned a profitable business or been successful in business before. So I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, my wife came to me once and needed the money for the mortgage. And she looked behind the counter. And I think I had 13 cases of Pepsi back there <laughs> and a couple bags of Oreos. Um, she, says, that's not gonna, yeah, she says, that's not going to pay the bill. So um, we did get some coaching at the time. She looked into some coaching and we got some coaching out of California and tried with their coaching skills. That gave me a little bit of basic business knowledge and it kept me out of trouble, but not really successful. Their way of doing business and running a business wasn't the way that I wanted to. When I bought the business, I wanted to treat all my customers like my mom or my grandma. And to this day, I still treat my customers that same way. You know, grandma just goes to the grocery store. You don't need to, you know, get her for flushes and all kinds of other stuff because she's only going to drive 3,000 miles a year. But mom, you better take care of her car because she's hauling the kids to soccer. She's going to the grocery store and everything else. Um, but you better be good to her and treat her nice because she's going to be at the hairstylist or the nail stop or the nail person. And she's going to be talking all about you. So you better yep. be a good person and do good business and treat her right. And to this day, that's still how I run my business. And um, so I, we dropped that coaching company. It just wasn't in line with what I wanted to do. And struggled and floundered and flopped along the way for the next 10 years. And we finally got it up to about thirty to $40,000 a month, maybe $45,000 a month after 12 or 13 years. And I, it was fun, but it wasn't that profitable. So I was actually considering opening up a second shop, thinking that was my way to make more money. You know, the first one is just breaking even. Maybe if I open a second one, I could be profitable. And um, before I did that, uh, I, had a, I had hired a service writer or technician, which then became my service writer. And he had told me about a video on YouTube. And I caught wind of that video. And from there, the guy in the video, he just jived with me. He clicked. Everything just made sense. He had my same 
mantra is take care of the customer, treat them right, don't hide from them in public. You know, um, you want them to come back. And that's whenever I was introduced to ShopFix. And uh, from there, it's just gone up like a rocket ship. And it's, it's been a wild ride. Like I said, we did 1.8 last year, and we're doing 3 million this year, and 5 million next year. So the dream, it's been a great one. Moving and shaking, man. Yeah. Did you know that some web design companies use the same wording across all their client sites? Unfortunately, this common practice is noted by Google as plagiarism, which will cause your site to be ranked lower. That's why it's critical that whoever makes your shop's website knows better. That's why so many top shops trust leads near me to create and manage their shop's websites. As Google certified partners, they know how to make a top ranking website from an insider's perspective. Get a free site analysis by visiting leadsnearme.com or calling 888-953-2379. Leads Near Me, effortlessly increase car count. So uh, first, you know, 13 years in business, you know, uh, your accountant called the business the Titanic. Um, Was it just you guys were not, were you losing money? Were you just breaking even? What did that look like? Um, my account was saying that we were losing money and she's a numbers person. So she actually knows the truth to me. I wasn't a business person and didn't know how to read a P and L balance sheet or any of that stuff. And I thought, well, I cashed two of my paychecks this month, so I must be making money. You know, that's two out of four paychecks that I could cash. <laughs> I couldn't cash them all, but I thought, you know, I'm, I'm successful, you know, I'm taking home, you know, $206 to $600 paychecks and that makes the mortgage, but it doesn't pay anything else. And I just did not know what I didn't know. I thought I was doing good, but my accountant always said, no, you're not doing good. We'd have a a $38,000 a month. Ooh, record month. We're really kicking butt now. But numbers are the boss. They really tell you where you're at and what your position in life and business is. So until I actually started becoming a business owner and learning numbers, I thought I was doing good. We weren't cashing all the paychecks. We hadn't been on a vacation. Uh, I take that back. We did go on one vacation that we financed through CarQuest. They just tacked it onto my bill every month. Then we went on a cruise back in 2009. And um, I thought that was great because I could have the parts house paying for my vacations. And really, I was just adding it to my parts bill. Yeah. And paying for my own vacation. Yeah. So... (laughs) But yeah, it was it was a tough struggle back then, and I did not know that I was actually struggling. And by only seeing my tax lady once or twice a year just to do the taxes, that was in January whenever she brought us into the office, told us all the stuff that she needed, and then in March or April whenever she had it all done, we'd go in and sign. And I never had to pay taxes because there was no profit made. So I thought this is great having a business; we don't have to pay taxes anymore. But that's not good when it's all negative numbers, and. Yeah, so it was, it was a tough struggle back for that first 13 years. And I really thought, that's eh, just need to open a second location. That's where the money will come from. But I didn't have anything in place with the first with the first business. And, and now that I know, um, yeah, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> that's, a t- that's really a good thing that resonates with me now is I still don't know a lot, but I'm always asking questions and listening. That way I can actually learn and then I know. So tell us a little bit about that transition from you didn't know what you didn't know. You, 
you know, got some coaching, it wasn't really the direction you wanted to go. You saw the video of Aaron on YouTube. What is, what is your transformation look like from there? The transformation from there, they, they stuck me with a numbers coach. Um, I think best coach that they have all around guy. Don't know if I can name drop, but coach Lowell's awesome. And, um, he, I told him right up front, I did not know numbers. I don't know P and L. I don't know profitability. I don't know where I'm at. Um, when I signed up, I had six bays. Um, I, I was actually in my current location that we had just built this new build, this new six bay location. And I had three people on the floor and I always thought, you know, every tech needs two bays. And, um, I just have techs that I pay hourly and that's what we're going to make. And that's what we're going to do. And once, uh, Coach started teaching me about capacity and what your shop can actually do. And by putting one tech in each bay, um, seeing the numbers grow. And we listened to this coach and he just has, he has a heart and he has passion and compassion for his clients and for his students. And um, he just resonated with me just like Aaron did. And these are a couple of honest people that speak from the heart and they've been there. And I used to think my problems were unique and, you know, nobody's didn't been down my road, but, um, it's not, everybody's been there. Somebody else has been there. And if you can learn from somebody else's mistakes, it saved me so much time and money and stress and aggravation to learn from someone else. It's like, wow, they know not to do such and such. I'm not going to do that because it costs them money. And, um, that was my big transformation just having somebody that could believe in me and showed me the way. And from there we added another text. So we had four with six bays and then we hired a fifth tech and we started actually doing $30,000 per bay instead of $30,000 per technician. And when you only have three technicians, two and a half of them, um, you know, you're only doing 60,000 a month. But once we started adding the technicians and putting one per bay and learning systems that there's actually systems to make a shop run smooth. You know, it's not just have 50 bays and, you know, 20 technicians and you're going to make all kinds of money. It's being efficient in what you have and being productive with what you've got and um, learning those systems and putting those processes in place. We just grew and I just keep dreaming and see where I can go next. And once we got a bay per tech or tech per bay, we started doing $180,000, $200,000 a month. And that's just a fun feeling. There's actually money left over. And that was something else at the coaching company. One, another big thing that I learned was outrun your overhead. And when I first started with, uh, with my coach and he was the numbers coach, we looked to see what my overhead was. And at the time when we first signed up with, with the coaching company is I wasn't grossing more than my overhead. And that's why still, 13 years later, I was still cashing some of my paychecks, but not all of them. Um, once I learned what my overhead numbers were and started learning how to read a P&L, um, my accountant got excited because I actually showed an interest in trying to grow my business and to survive my business. And uh, we started growing. And once our numbers started going through the roof, it was nice to see my tax account that I had for 13 years. She did a little summary for me showing where I've come from since she started with me 10 years prior, the numbers we did and the amount of money that was on our personal tax return. And it was nice to see that this final tax return that she did, you guys now made $170,000. You're doing something. What, what has changed with you guys? How are you guys making this? 
and I told them that I got coaching in my tax lady said that's the best move ever you stick with that company and whatever's working it's awesome and it was nice to have to pay personal taxes on one hundred and seventy thousand dollars. You know, I never had to do that before because my business was always losing money. So we always got tax breaks and tax write-offs. But to have to write to the IRS a check for twenty-six thousand dollars, it hurt. But I was able to do that. I actually had good. the money to do that. So yeah. Um, so that's kind of been that ride from being slow in learning. Numbers, numbers are the boss. That's that's another big takeaway. I probably got six different things was outrun your overhead. And part of that is knowing your numbers. Um, the second part is having a positive mindset in dreaming and setting a vision and letting people know your vision. And third would be know your numbers because that's good. what's going to help your dreams and your vision come true and, and take you places. But changing my mind and getting that positive outlook for 13 years, I was always down in the dumps because I couldn't cash all my paychecks. All my employees got paid, but I had no vacation time. I was still driving. Oh, gosh, I drove so many bucket cars. I think I drove a 71 Ford F100 without a tailgate with a 390 that leaked oil all over the place for my first six or seven years of being a shop owner. I just couldn't afford anything else. And then I think I upgraded to... I think there was a, oh, I don't know. There, I've had so many bucket cars along the way, but it's nice. Last year, I went out and bought a, a 2021 Ram truck, and I wrote the check for that one. So um, learning your numbers and, and growing positive and have a positive mindset and a vision, a clear vision, but also changing that vision because I don't want to see the end of that vision. As I keep reaching these goals and breaking that $100,000 a month barrier, I already have 150 set in mind and as to where I want to go. And just like now I've done this expansion, we've been hanging around two and a quarter, 250 for the last five months. I want 300. And before the end of this year, I want 400. And I'm always pushing that goal. And we were at a conference where Ryan Blair got a paper pin for doing 500,000. And I told my shop manager, I want one of those. He says, okay, we'll get that in 23. So yeah. I'm looking forward to one of those paper pins. It's got a 500K written on it. <laughs> so, I think you're on your way, man. Oh, we will. We will. And that's the other thing. You've got to be positive. Dream it, and it'll become a reality. So uh, I want to unpack what it, that positive mindset. Because I, I think a lot of times when, when people hear, oh, have a positive mindset, it's, you know, ignore what's happening bad around you, and everything's going to be fine. But it's more than that. From your perspective, what does it mean as a business owner, as a shop owner, as a leader to have a positive mindset? Breaking your goals and challenge down to the simplest form. Um, before I, I, my mind started changing and I started being positive, I always looked at these big shops doing a million, two million. They've got a bunch of techs. They're crazy. Their parking lot's overflowing. And I looked at that big picture and I'm doing 30,000, 35,000. I'll never get there. I don't know how they did that. They got so much money. They could do that. Um, if you take it step by step and break it down, the reason why they're there is because they have the right employees. Um, they have the right parts. They have the right customers. You tackle one of those at a time. And I tell a lot of my friends when they're saying that they can't do something, they're looking at the great big picture. And that great big picture can be scary. and looks like it's impossible. But if you break that picture down into you need the right technicians, you need the right service writer, you need the right location, 
I write them all down on a piece of paper and I've got a dart and I throw it, my dart at that piece of paper, whatever it lands on, I'll work on that for about two days and see if I can get through that one particular thing. If I get through it, great. It's a win. I'll take that dart and I'll throw it at another one. If I don't get through it, I'll throw that dart at something else. And always in the back of my mind, I learned how I failed or didn't accomplish that one task on that last dart throw. And I'll be thinking, what's another way I could do? Or I'll stalk people on Facebook and learn to see what they did to get past it. Um, That current dart where it landed, I'll tackle that problem and I'll get through it. And if that problem is still big, break that problem down into smaller bits and pieces, easier to bite and digest. So I really like to break things down to the simplest form. I, I want to do a 13 day shop in two years. That looks big and scary. It's two and a half million dollars to build, but I broke it down into 50 different steps. And I'm going to start looking for the technicians. I'm going to look for the dirt. I'm going to look for somebody to finance. I'm going to look for equipment. I break it all down into individual items because the more little wins you have, you create momentum. And with momentum, you can tackle bigger things and you, if you fail and you stumble, take a breather, take a day off or whatever. Just look back where you came from. And I like to look back to where I was doing $30,000 a month two years ago and think, wow, I've really accomplished a lot and I've grown a lot. I've learned a lot. And it's all just by taking a little step at a time, just one little problem, get that little win. And that just start. That's where the momentum starts. Just break it all down. Don't get scared at the whole picture. Break it down into little bits and pieces. So that's my way of progressing and tackling any problem that's thrown at me. And not dwelling on things for more than two days. For me, it's a two-day dwelling process. Um, I can go back to thinking of one that just happened this past September 7th. I had the day from heck. Um, It started off by us towing a truck around the shop, a broke-down truck. We're using a golf cart to tow it. And we get it three-quarters of the way around the shop because we were getting asphalt put down on our new parking lot that day. And the truck got rolling faster than the golf cart and it got on the toe strap and sucked the golf cart into the side of the truck, caved the side of the, caved the side of the bed in. Nobody was hurt. So I was good and okay with that, but we still had to fix the truck to get it running. And then we still had to contact the customer about two hours later. They had just finished laying the parking lot, the pavement on one side of my building. And we have it pretty much blocked off. So you can't get to it. Well, somebody in a Mercedes decides that, you know, they can't park around all these other cars and this must be for them. <laughs> Somehow they worked their way into the fresh hot asphalt and thought they were going to park over there. And I'm waving them to get off my asphalt. And they thought I was waving at them. They finally rolled the window down. I oh. said, this asphalt is steaming and your tires are melting. So he guns it, puts two big rooster trails right through the new asphalt and then leaves the site. So not a customer of ours that day. That was that, the issue number two. Right after lunch, I had just got done building a new service writer, a command center for my, my service writers, and we hadn't finished the outside paint on it. Right after lunch, there's an F-250 diesel truck that needs its brakes checked. And obviously, it needed brakes checked because as he pulled it in the bay, it didn't stop, and it came through my brand new service writer's office. Whoa. So three good things within about five hours of all in one day. That's, that's I quite a day, John. I could have come unglued and fired everybody and been pissy. I sat down. Poop happens. You know, that's just how it is. 
we'll tackle each thing one at a time. We got the truck out of my service office. We got a couple technicians. We used our screw jacks, jacked the roof up, beat the wall back underneath so the wall could stand up. But the guy that drove the truck through, he's got it up in the air. He's doing the brake job on it like nothing happened. Uh, <laughs> the one we crashed into earlier in the day, we finally got that one up and running. The asphalt guys were still here, so they were nice enough to cruise the steamroller back around the parking lot and go smooth out the parking lot and get rid of those new tracks. And, um, you know, I, I was pretty good. I took it in stride. I didn't blow up. I didn't have a heart attack. And it's because I've come through a lot of different problems. And to have all three of those happen in one day, it stung. But the next day I told everybody, hey, we just got to pay attention. We got to do things right. You know, be aware of your surroundings and what's going on. And that was it. And so now I, I can look back and I laugh on it. I think my third day, the third day after that, I was laughing about it. Um, take it in stride. You can't dwell on that. Because if I would dwell on that, today I'm finally getting done with that truck that we crashed into. It's going to run me right about $9,000 between satisfying the customer and fixing the truck. I can write that check. You know, three years ago, I couldn't. You know, with two less zeros, that would have given me trouble back then. Um, but as, the, as you grow, your problems will get bigger. But take them in stride and just take them one bit at a time and don't dwell on it. You know, my, I still have guys out there that are walking on eggshells because they think I should fire them. It's like, hey, poop happens. It's okay. We'll get through it. You'll, you'll make up for it next month. You'll do better. And you have to have that positive outlook and keep looking for the next better thing, the next best thing, and not dwell on you drove a golf cart into the side of a truck. How can you do that? <laughs> we tease them. But you have to get through those problems and keep looking forward. If you dwell on it, you're just going to stay in the past. You're not going to progress. You're not going to go ahead. You're not going to get ahead of anything. And you're just going to get angry. And you put out bad vibrations. And I think other people and customers will see that. And they won't want to do business with you. They'll give you a break and maybe they'll come back in a couple of weeks. Or maybe they'll go find another shop that has good vibrations and they don't come back to you. So always be thinking positive, being positive, and look from where you came from and you can handle the past so you can definitely run into the future. It really sounds like that you've gained a great level of mastery over your perspective. I think it's maturity. It's, I think yeah. it's actually finally growing up and taking responsibility for what you've done, what you've created, and what you've caused. Um, yeah. Whatever you do in life, own it. Whether it's right or wrong, own it, learn from it, move on from it. Um, never dwell on it. I used to always dwell, and I think that's why my first 13 years, our business never grew, never had the passion, never had that happy, jovial place to go to and spend money on your vehicle. And uh, once I, I got past that, I quit dwelling on bad things and bad habits the universe and the world and my customers in this town love me and gravitate towards me. I love driving through town to go get gas or lunch. And I look at the other shops and they've got empty bays and I can look at my monitors now and all of them are full and you still can't drive through my parking lot. <laughs> and so it's a good thing. Just be positive. Don't be that typical gas station garage man or, beat up shop you can be whatever you dream you know if you are a small little one-man place you can better yourself better your customers and just keep dreaming 
sell your vision to everybody around you so they can get on board with it. Um, you have to be positive. Positive is positivity is the way of life. You can be an angry old fart, or you could be happy and enjoy life and live it to its fullest. So you've, you've accomplished some great things. You're on the path to breaking more records. What's next for you? What's the next, next evolution, next dream that you want to accomplish? Next thing I'm doing, I'm always setting my goals in 2023. Next year, I plan on purchasing a couple of acres, um, hopefully right across the street from my current location. And in 24, I want to build a 13 bay diesel shop. So that's the goal there. Then I have to take a little break and we're going to build my wife's dream house. In our backyard, we've got a couple acres, so we'll actually build her a nice house back there. Um, I actually bought a tractor a couple weeks ago and my son brought his bulldozer over, so we cut the pad for it. So that's part of my future dream. It's there when I look out my window. I've got a house pad sitting there. Now I have to build that house. Yeah. So in 25, she'll get her house, but somewhere in between, I think we might end up with a little lake house back there in Tennessee. Um, so when we're back nice. there seven times a year, we'll have our own place, don't have to pay for a hotel. <laughs> I have one more very important question for you. Okay. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be? Oh, gosh. I guess I would like to be my, my dream car, so I guess I could be that car. Would be a '66 Shelby Cobra, you know, with the blue stripe, the the blue paint with white stripes, the open chrome roll bar with the 427 motor in it. That was just ridiculously overpowered. That's <laughs> that's that's a dream car that I'm gonna get someday. That's I gotta put that on my new vision board because it will become a reality in a couple of years. I won't be able to afford the number one that went for seven million dollars a couple of years ago. But I'll get a real one, not a replica. Yeah, not a replica. No. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, John, this has been an amazing interview. I'm really grateful for your time uh, and, and getting to know you a little bit better. And I hope you'll keep us posted as, as things progress. That was my interview with John Lonis. I want this show to serve and impact as many people in our industry as possible. To help me in that mission, please leave us a review, subscribe to the show, and tell others about us. If you'd like to contact me, you can email me at thomas at slcautopodcast.com or call 615-656-8804. Thanks. Have a great week. No two shops are the same. That's why cookie cutter advice and coaching does not work. In order for your shop to get to the next level, you must have an action plan designed around your shop's unique needs. You'll also need accountability and encouragement along the way. Let ShopFix Academy help you create your best shop. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com.